Hey there, it's Carolyn. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a brand new challenge that we have starting over in the Homestead Kitchen membership really soon. This one is all about making your very own herbal oils and culinary oils and cosmetic oils and turning them into salves and balms for your herbal medicine cabinet. If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Hey you guys, it's Josh and Carolyn with Homesteading Family and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat and welcome to 2023. Yeah, exciting. Happy New Year's and welcome to a new year. Yeah, I hope you guys all had a wonderful Christmas season and a good New Year's and um, man, it's it's time to dive into 2023. Can you believe that? <laughs> it kind of feels like it snuck up on us for as long as the fall felt last year, then it's like Boom, here we are. Well, it was a short, the summer went long. I mean, yeah. summer went into mid-October. That's really strange for here. Yeah. And then it was like, boom, winter's here. Mm-hmm. And now we've just have a solid winter and cranking right through that. Yeah. So today we are just chit-chatting. We're answering some of your questions and we're talking about our planning for the upcoming year here and what we're going to be looking at doing, um, you know, not the least of which is that we are now solidly on the 10-week countdown for baby to arrive. That kind of marks a spot for me always. I'm always like, you know, everything else, life just takes over until about the 10-week countdown. And then I go, oh, yeah, I have to actually get out the baby clothes and start thinking about the fact that baby is about to arrive because those last 10 weeks can go fast when you get to them. How you doing? How you feeling? big. <laughs> I feel big. I feel very big. Um, this is a extremely active baby, lots and lots of kicking, which is fun in one way and very uncomfortable mm. in another way. Um, he just seems to have a very powerful kick. He sounds like he's going to be out and running. He, he's going to be a powerful guy when he gets out. Doing some so. taekwondo or something. <laughs> he's doing something in there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in general, doing really well. We have a home birth planned. We always hold those plans loosely. Because of weather. We're, we're out a ways. We're yeah. 11 miles off the highway. and, and uh, yeah, But our midwife's pretty hardy. We've got very hardy yeah. North Idaho midwives and... Uh, you know, everything's looking on track for home birth at this point. So that's really exciting. But you do, you do have to hold these things loosely because you never know if a medical issue creeps up, if anything starts looking at all not right, then the, the home birth plans change almost instantly. Yeah. And, um, but for the moment, we're on track and moving right along. <laughs> Got to get out the crib and uh, yep. dress her and start getting the room set up. And all of the clothes and everything. So... Yeah. I hope he's a quiet one at night. I'm, I'm not, not really encouraged guessing. right now. I'm mm. not guessing. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Some sleepless nights. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to get your hopes set or, or the reality set on the fact that you probably just aren't going to sleep. And then if he is quiet and he's one of the few that likes sleeping, we have had a few of those 
We have had a few who stepped up through the night, like right from the beginning, pretty much, and loved their crib. Baby after my own heart. Yeah, but I'm. I don't think if you get your hopes set on that, you're asking for trouble. <laughs> I, I tackle just about anything well until I start losing a lot of sleep. I, I can take raw and roll with a lot, but. Once the start losing the sleep, that's yeah. where it becomes a struggle. I bit. think we sound like older parents. <laughs> we are older <laughs> parents. <laughs> yeah, baby, I'll be great. I just don't want to lose the sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Oh, boy. Well, you <laughs> can tell what's on our mind at the moment. <laughs> so, well, what have you been up to? Here we are, the beginning of a brand new year. Yeah. Um, you know, pushing a lot of snow. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's been a very wintry winter and a lot of snow. And um, doing some reflecting on 2022 and the things we've accomplished and starting to go, okay, what's, what are the goals this year? What, what, what are we going to get done? Um, probably realize that I'm going to have to moderate. We did a lot last year, even yeah. for the travel that I did, getting school traditional skills up and going. And I'm going to be traveling again this year, though not quite as intensive a. Mm-hmm. With schedule, but we've still got the homestead to go. So, you know, kind of a little more mental work. Yeah. And uh, besides having a nice Christmas season, having a week off, it was nice. It's very nice. Taking a little bit easy and playing in the snow a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, just gearing up here. 2023 is going to be an interesting year. And so um, certainly school traditional skills is going to be growing. We've got some fun things for homesteading family planned. Mm-hmm. Hey, we've got some on-site events. Can we even tease that out? We should be Go for it. I think hey, so. Hey, um, Joel Salatin is going to be coming to our farm here, Riverbend, actually to two farms. We're doing a back-to-back consult with Joel, and he's going to come and uh, do a tour here and give us a consult here at Riverbend and another farm in the area. And we're going to be inviting some folks like you to come uh, join us in part of the class. It's going to be a paid event. Um so anyways, we'll we'll have more of that coming soon and the details on that. But that's exciting. Yeah, it's very and exciting. And a b- big teaching moment. And uh, so that'll be fun. We are also looking forward to doing something that we have oh, not done that's before. Right. Yeah, and thankful. that is that we're going to be speaking at a conference. That's right. Brand new home, brand new homesteading conference in the West. Yeah. In the Western United States. We've been needing a good one. We've been one needing that. Here. We just haven't yeah. had one out here. And so uh, our good friend, Melissa K. Norris. Mm-hmm. Is heading that up? What's that called again? Do you know? I believe it's the Modern Homesteading Conference, but yeah. I could be wrong. I, I'm not great with the names. Yeah, some some um, of you, I'm sure, already have heard about it, and if not, look it up, check it out. It, oh, it we'll is, put a link down. It in is going to be the. I think it's going to be the homesteading event of 2023 in the Western United States. And we're actually speaking three different times at that conference. So that's going to be really fun. So we really hope you guys will be able to join us, come out and see us and shake hands. And I'd love to get to see you guys in person. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, sure would. Yeah. And uh, maybe you feel you can come out for that and get with the tool for Joel, because Joel will be speaking at that. Joel Salatin will be speaking Uh as well, along with Daniel Salatin and a lot of other great folks. Yeah. 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 Lots of fun things. So, yeah. We'll have to get some more <laughs> details on that out here soon. We will. Good. So yeah, you've been, you've been playing in the snow. <laughs> this has snow. been an interesting winter weather wise, just even the last few, gosh, it has been from the beginning. 
It started really early. We got snow probably six weeks earlier there, than there wasn't we much fall.、Get. We really had not much fall. We、yeah. went from summer to winter within a couple weeks. Yeah. And then we've had some of the coldest weather that we've personally seen yeah, here, here in North Idaho.、Um, days in the negatives, and、uh, it was cold. Highs in the negatives. <laughs> yeah,、that's, with highs in the negatives. That's definitely. We know we are. Canada friends, there. You guys are used to this. Yeah, they're、uh, laughing. Yeah, but、um, but we're we're chilly. <laughs> but then it warmed up, and then we have some warm weather right behind that. And so you know, it's it's just been kind of all over the place, and it feels like a mishmash of a year, I yeah, guess, yeah. to start off with.、Yeah. So, so you've been trying to keep up with that around the homestead, which creates a lot of messes when it's that cold and that snowy. And then you go to warm and slushy. It's just you know, it's a mess one way, it's a mess another way. And I, I heard a great thing the other day. I read it actually at the chiropractor's office when I was in there,、uh, and it said it's best to choose to have joy in the weather. It was specifically about、oh, the snow.、Right. Have I, you read this? I saw this. Yeah. Because if you don't, you'll have less joy, but you're still going to have the same amount of snow. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me just really think about that. That yeah, we might as well just go ahead and say, "Boy, it sure is beautiful. It sure is fun to get to have the different seasons, isn't it?" <laughs> yeah. And what a good life principle, right? Not just you really know, is. life's going to throw at you what it throws at you. You know, we don't get to choose a lot of that, but we can choose how we respond. Yeah, our attitudes and, are a lot and, of it.、Uh, that may be a good theme. That may be a good thought for 2023. I think I, so. I think that 2023 may be throwing a lot at us. And、uh, you know, you know us. We're gonna we're gonna tackle that with、uh, positivity and solutions. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And、mm-hmm. remember, what we can change is our attitude and our focus,、yeah. right?、Yep. The way we choose to look at it. Yeah. Choosing joy. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Ready to get into a few questions? Okay, that sounds good.、Um, hey, before we jump into that, I actually、yep. have two different things、That's、that I、right. wanted to share. I was really excited to get my hands on Melissa K. Norris's brand new book. It is just、Big、out. Look、too. at this book. This is a serious book. It's called Everything Worth Preserving: The Complete Guide for Food Preservation at Home. And this is a really, really fun book. This is actually a book I can see that I'm going to pull out over and over again、mm. because it's organized by the type of produce and how you preserve oh, it. That's nice. So the preservation method instead of the preservation、that's, method, so that when、like、you get it,、Very、really、cool. is. So when you get your peas in, the snow peas start coming in. You can come and say, okay, what can I do with all these peas to preserve them? And It has all the information here on all the different methods. Fermented sugar and, snap peas. Yeah, that sounds, sounds good,、really、doesn't good. it? <laughs>、um, and the recipes look amazing. So there's a lot of really good stuff in here. If you have not grabbed your copy yet, I'll put a link down in the description for you. But、um, you do want to go ahead and get this on your shelf. It's going to be a really good one that is pulled from over、yeah. and over again. And then the other thing I wanted to share is that we have our brand new issue、First. of the. First twenty twenty three issue. First twenty three issue of In the Homestead Kitchen magazine out, and in this one we kind of went a different direction. We're completely focused on fats in the kitchen, and this is something as a homesteader 
you don't get a lot of support in studying. I got to、mm. say, you know, if you want to learn how to preserve something or how to cook something, you can go. Gosh, you can go to Pinterest or you can go to allrecipes.com, pull up tons of recipes, right?、Mm. But when it comes down to actually using fats, healthy fats, and producing them on the homestead, there's not a lot of information out there. So we dive into that in the magazine. We cover things like. Um, pork roulettes, making pork roulettes, so preserving meat in its own fat. We cover rendering. We cover compound butters. We cover all sorts of really, really good stuff in there. And、um, so, anyways, you're going to want to check out that. It's a digital magazine,、um, but I'll put the link down in the description to get all started. Very cool.、That、yeah, going to be a good. Yeah,、one. really excited. Okay,、yeah. so let's jump right into some questions. We have quite a few of them today. Let's see. This one is from Jill Palmer on no more stinky chicken coops. Jill says, "Wonderful information. Thanks for sharing it all. Would there be any benefit to inoculating the deep litter with mushroom spawn while it's still on the floor of the coop, or does that cause the deep litter to break down too quickly?" Wow, that is a Really cool question.、Hmm. Really like that, and I, I can't speak to that with a lot of authority.、Um, haven't tried it, and I haven't talked to anybody that's tried that.、Um, Harvey and I sure didn't talk about that. I think it's a cool idea. I think that it's worth trying. I'm and I'm going off the top of my head here. I can't think of a negative to that.、Um, I'm not sure how the environment deep down would be because you're starting to lose the carbon, and that mycelium is going to thrive on the carbon, so it's going to need to probably be up higher. Those things are going across that the higher carbon area of the soil, which is going to be up top in this environment.、Um, and I guess my one concern is the chickens might scratch it up just in their their working in in the area.、Um, but I think it's really、uh, I think that's a really cool idea. As far as it causing the deep litter to break down too quickly. That's a personal preference, really. I don't. I mean, there's, there's no too really no too, too quick in that environment. It's not like that's a thermal composting or something where you're worried about burning off nitrogen or whatever. So that's more just you know how much do you want to manage? If it works the way you're thinking it might, then yeah, you might have to cycle through、um, your shavings in the coop a little faster.、Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna guess it's a little bit of a challenging environment with the manure coming down. And the carbon mix and the chicken scratching. You know, I'm gonna guess that's just gonna be a little bit of challenging to get it to be productive, but I think it's a it's a well worthwhile experiment. Do you think there'd be enough moisture? Because usually mushrooms kind of want a lot of moisture. Yeah, I don't know because under the surface there is, you know, there's enough. Yeah.、Um, you know, I, I think that's fine.、Um, So I don't know. I think that's an experiment. I think it's a really. I think you should try it. I think it's worth trying. <laughs> and then and, please let us know. <laughs> and seeing. So you know, I like I said, I have my reservations just without direct experience that that、uh, it may not get going great, but I think it's worth trying. So there you go. Yeah, check it out. Let us know. There you go.、Um, okay. Wow. Cora Spradlin Cox six one eight seven on how to make your own lacto fermented sauerkraut. Can we put sauerkraut in the same refrigerator as my sourdough starter or raw yogurt? Good question.、I、like that. Yeah, you know, you've got a lot of information floating around out there that you need to keep your ferments so far apart so they don't start inoculating each other.、Um, and in the kitchen. This can be true, especially if you have open ferments going. Let's say kombucha and and、um, 
sourdough starter, it's best if you give them a few part feet away from each other because、mm-hmm. they will kind of start taking over Swap, each other. Swapping, yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> swapping critters.、Um, and you know, honestly, I've done all sorts of ferments right next to each other and cultures in the kitchen and not had a problem with it. But if you do have any sort of a challenge with starting、uh, cultures of any sort. Um, some kitchens are more challenging than others to start, start cultures in. Then keep them further apart. Now that said, when you put something like a vegetable ferment into the refrigerator, that's once it's done with its active ferment period, and you're going to lock down that cap. So that means you don't have an open ferment just sitting there.、Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a problem. Um, same thing with your sourdough starter. When you put that in the refrigerator, that should be locked down because you don't want it to dry out. Yogurt also. So as long as it's locked down, the the lid is on all the way, or it's in an airtight container of some sort, which all of these things should be in when they go to your refrigerator,、um, you shouldn't have that cross contamination problem at all. So. In the refrigerator, I don't think it's a problem if it's out on your counter, actively fermenting and bubbling and spewing things into the environment. <laughs> then you do probably want to keep them separated a little bit. Very cool. Yeah. Good. Okay. Let's see. Dana on my pantry is overflowing. Asks, I love the bottles you have cider in. Where did you get them? Oh well, those are a Grolsch style bottle, the the flip caps with the seals, reusable lids. Those are very very nice. They're certainly easier to bottle than using you know little caps and the bottle crimper and everything, though they're a bit more expensive. We actually got a lot of ours from a shop up across the border in Canada.、Mm-hmm. Is where we've gotten a lot of those. But you can search those online. I'm pretty sure we we have a lot. I haven't bought any in a while. We you But, can get them on Amazon. Yeah. So、places. and we could probably even provide a link、uh, yeah. down below. So、yeah. um, for some of those. Yeah. The fun thing with those is that you can get them all different sizes, and so we have nice little ones that we actually do single. Uh, every person in the household has their own kombucha bottle. Oh, yeah, that gets refilled. Those kind of squarish ones. Yeah, yeah. they come yeah. in different, you know, colors, glass, and、uh, you just look、yeah. up the swing top bottles and different sizes. But those more grill style kind of, those are a little more geared towards brewing specifically, and.、Uh, Yeah, yeah, those work out really well because they do block a little bit of the light. The amber color specifically does.、Um, they we do have green glass bottles over there, and unless they say UV blocking, they are not、right. actually yeah, UV you, blocking. Yeah, you want brown if you、yeah. want UV blocking.、Yeah. The blue is pretty, but it doesn't do anything for the light, so it just protects it for a little bit longer. Yep.、Uh, uh, okay, let's six see six. Yeah. Pam Howard five eight five two on my pantry is overflowing. What's the difference between freeze drying versus dehydrating and the shelf life? Ah,、uh, that's a good question. So freeze drying uses a freeze drying machine, and that's where it is under vacuum, and this is a key component. Under vacuum, it's alternating. Dropping the temperature down really low, like into the negative forty range, and then raising it up to a fairly warm state. Think 
120 degrees. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty broad range that it's going back and forth and it's under vacuum and it's sucking out the moisture. Freeze-dried foods, a freeze dryer will remove about 99% of moisture when it comes to foods. Dehydrator, on the other hand, is some form of blowing air, possibly hot air or warm air over food in order to remove moisture also, kind of the same principle. It doesn't have the temperature fluctuation and it's not under the the vacuum chamber where it's really sucking stuff out. So you're getting closer to about a 95% um, dehydration. Wow. That's better than I was thought I was remembering. That's yeah, good. it's actually not yeah. too bad yeah. in that case. And it depends on how dry you want something. You have a lot of flexibility when it comes to dehydrating versus freeze-drying. Right, freeze-drying is going to... It is what it is. It is what it is, yeah. Whereas is dehydrating, you have a lot of flexibility. What that means, though, is that with removing so much of that moisture from the freeze-dried food, it really does extend the, um, the shelf life. Yeah. So as long as it's properly sh- stored, um, which would mean kind of in a vacuumed or sealed airtight container and out of direct light, then... Um, and it's, a, it's not a high-fat item that's kind of a key component to this. If it has a lot of fat in it, it won't last as long. But you can get up to 25 years, they say, with pretty much full nutritional density out of a freeze-dried food. That's phenomenal. That does not exist in just about any other type of food preservation. Why you need 25 years? I'm not sure, but that's what they say. That's what they say. So, uh, you know, I like to look at it and say, well, if you can get 25 years, then you should be able to get to the next harvest cycle with a really good nutrient density, right? (laughs) That's what that says to me. Um, The dehydrator, on the other hand, uh, has great uses. Wonderful. Love our dehydrator and we use it all the time, even with the freeze dryers on hand. But, uh, but it does start to decline in nutritional value much more quickly. And it's one of those things that you really need to re- be replacing your dehydrated food every year yeah. in order to keep some semblance of nutritional density. So big difference in uh, shelf life on the two. Yeah. But, you know, in a lot of ways, there's similarity in the preservation. They do end up being fairly different products, though. Well, they really do. And you've got more flexibility with the dehydrator and the type of product you can create. Flexibility on when you stop dehydrating. Right. And so what kind of consistency, how you use it, you know, where the freeze dryer pretty much just takes all the moisture out. Yeah. And you're generally going to, you know, fully rehydrate it. But other than some of that fruit, some of that fruit is, those raspberries are really, really good. Right. (laughs) No rehydration needed. So I actually have a video comparing the two of them out where I took the same food and I freeze dried some and I dehydrated some so that you could look at the difference between the two. So we'll put a link to that um, in the description for yeah. you. All right, cool. Good. Okay. What about this one? Tackling the giants on my pantry is overflowing. How do you grow the mushrooms? Mm. Do you grow them from seed? Where did you get them from? I'm interested. Thanks. Yeah. Mushrooms actually don't grow from seeds. They produce spores, which turns into a mycelium. And the bulk of what we call a mushroom, 
is the mycelium, which is actually under the soil surface. So the mushrooms are just the reproductive product of that mycelium to come up and release spores so that it will spread, essentially. So it's those spores that spread it, but when it comes to like you want to use um, mushrooms and, and plant them somewhere, you're going to obtain the mycelium generally from somebody. These days you can order it online. I would suggest if you do that, that you go to one of the reputable um, guys that are out there teaching on it. Trad Cotter is who comes to mind. There's another guy named Peter. They're the two main mushroom guys out there in our world, in the homesteading world, that are teaching us that are going to be very reputable. Um, and I'm not sure that both of them sell. One of them does, so I'm not remembering the details. Um, because we have a local source, so that's the other thing you can do. We've got a great local source, at least for... Um, the type we're using right now, King Strephoria, we will probably get into others eventually, but we're just really getting this going and, and doing it like low management, just like put it out there, forget about it, see what happens. Um, but you just, that's our favorite style of everything. Well, and that was what was so cool about the mushrooms this year is, you know, and that's, what's cool about perennial systems. You put them in there, they grow and they don't take the work year after year that an, that an annual garden takes. So they're very essential to a resilient homestead, but the mushrooms come into this place as well. While you can farm them and do a really intense thing, you can get them going in areas. And generally you take wood shavings, a hardwood wood shavings. We do them in the walkways of our gardens between the beds and you just put that down into the wood shavings and mycelium and you let it do its thing and um, it takes off and um, starts to grow and eventually when the season is right and different mushrooms are different we actually had the king's euphoria coming up all summer and fall Mm-hmm. you know yes um constantly we were amazed at how many yes. we have and, <laughs> and um so anyways the conditions have to be right but it's it's pretty simple so look locally to see if you have anybody and if not just find a good line online source but it's the mycelium that you're looking for to inoculate as a term so we're not really planting seeds we're inoculating a very carbon rich material like wood shavings with mycelium there you have it there is something really special about going out to the garden to go harvest broccoli and other things like that. And then like, oh, look at all the mushrooms we have to harvest yeah. today as they were popping up in between the other plants and right along the rows. It's kind of a fun thing to do. I think everybody really enjoyed that. Just the experience of having the mushrooms out there, but then getting to bring them in and eat them and preserve them. And, and no work, no work to maintain them. And so, you know, this is kind of the second question that's touched on this. So I'm going to suggest it's a good experiment. It's a good 2023 project. Doesn't take a lot of work once you get the mycelium. We're going to be doing this in an area that has some fruit trees in it because that, that mycelium benefits the fruit trees. It's got heavy wood shavings, but it also will turn the wood shavings into rich soil. Yes. And uh, we have a guy up here, permaculture guy, that's done this as demonstration across his little farm. And, and it's a phenomenal in converting into soil. So it can help you build soil as well. Um, that, that takes a lot more and a little larger scale. But definitely something for you to check out and learn about. Because it's, it's a food source that you can get going. You can build soil and create yourself a great food source by just putting it in the ground and pretty much letting it go. That's fun when you can get those stacked yeah. functions like that. Yep. Let's see. What about Okay, um, Tracy Becker, 6669, on home remedies for congestion. Can you reheat the leftover liquid and use it again? Wow, you better give us a little context there. Yeah, so this is the an herbal remedy for a deep chest congestion, and it works really well to loosen everything up and uh, get things 
coming out <laughs> and doing what they're supposed to yeah. do. Um, it, it is a type of steam. So you have a liquid, you get it nice and hot, and then you put your head over it, you know, with a towel over it. Um, so she's asking if the liquid can then be reheated and used a second time. And yes, it can, but it will be significantly um, less potent. And there are a couple reasons for that. But the main one is that the herbs in it and the apple cider vinegar that are in that both dissipate with the steam. So the the um, essential oils that are in those herbs are coming out in the steam. That's just what they do. And so every time you go to use it, you're going to have significantly less. So if you're really in a position where you're just super pinched on the budget and you just have to make less work, then yes, you can, but it's just not going to be as effective that second or that third time. And so if you can, I really recommend just making it fresh every time. Cool. Yeah, you can go dump it out in your compost pile afterwards. You can dump it in your garden. It'll be good for everything. So you don't have to feel like you're wasting it and just pouring it down the sink. Um, because I know that does feel a little wasteful, but cool. it's best if you just make it fresh. Yeah. You want to tackle this last one before we move on to sure. talking about 20? We can both answer our favorite way. Yeah. So Alyssa, Alyssa DeWalters, I think, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Alyssa and Walters, I don't know. Anyways, on Pantry Chat is overflowing. What is your favorite way to make venison? You can you tackle that one first and then... I, you know what? I use venison just like I use beef, honestly. I pretty much just cook it however we're going <laughs> to cook something. If we're going to have spaghetti, then we just use ground venison in the spaghetti. If we're going to have tacos, we just cook up a roast and shred it and, you know, make it into tacos. So I do tend to season it a little heavier than I would a regular beef cut. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, you, you do have to be aware that it usually has a little less fat. So you usually have to compensate for that in the cooking. Yeah. But as far as the recipes I use it for, I kind of just use the same old recipes. Okay. Well, I've got, I've got three ways. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Canned, out of all the canned meats, to me, venison's one of the best. Just the flavor of it, consistency of it. Um, in a good hunter's pie is really, really good as far as a meat in that style of, of pie. I don't know what else to call it, but, you know, cooking. Uh, really, really good. And then what's a lot of fun, it's probably one of my favorites because this is more of an interactive, and that is when we take, and we do this on New Year's Eve, or New Year's, and we take a full leg roast, and we kind of do a spit, a hanging, spinning spit by the fire, and we roast it next to a fire, not over, and have it on a wire where it turns, and we slow cook that for hours that way, and then peel it off as the kids are ice skating and the adults are standing around the fire talking. So that that's probably my number one. Yeah, those are all really good ways to make venison. So yeah. I gotta agree. And that in the hunter's pie, we pretty much just make like a shepherd's pie, but we replace right. it with the venison. But it's good. But it's really good that way. <laughs> I gotta agree with you. I might spend a little more time thinking about that because I sit in the tree stand for <laughs> hours upon hours or hike through the snow day after day sometimes. Yeah, and uh, so I'm maybe spend a little more time dreaming about uh, what you're gonna do which with ways. And and the, you know, the, and the kids and I talk about that a bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I like venison. I just don't have special recipes particularly sure. yeah. that we use for it. Yeah. So well and it does. A lot of it just, you know, it it goes to the freezer. We got a big house, we have a lot of people to feed, and so a lot of it goes into the daily flow and you, you replace it for beef or whatever, and it works great. Yeah. It does. 
It's good stuff, and yep. we're always thankful to have the extra meat. <laughs> yeah, we are. So we wanted to really quickly touch on planning for the 23 year, and we have not actually done our yeah, planning yet. To be totally ours. transparent yeah, here, yeah, we're just we're just starting ours, but we've, I've got some thoughts. You've yeah, probably got some thoughts. Absolutely, and. You know, you can go back. We have multiple pantry chats where we really talk about diving into the planning for the year. But at the heart of planning, we find that sitting down at the beginning of the year, listing out the projects that both of us are thinking about, mm -hmm. listing out the calendar, the big calendar dates, trying to get those nailed out, listing out things like when are we going to bring the poultry in if we're ordering in poultry you know do we have the seeds that we need for the garden what are the dates we're going to put you know main crop garden in when are we going to start seeds when are we going to butcher when are we going to butcher different Those are, animals how sometimes yeah. we do it ourselves sometimes we send it out yeah Yep. And looking at all of those different kind of main pieces of the year really helps us to get a framework for the year that makes sure that everything kind of fits in. Um, there's a lot of projects that can weave in and out between mm -hmm. things. You know, they don't really have a timed date attached to them or, or specific amounts of time. But then there are these other things that, you know, you need to know if you're getting meat chickens on this date, you really can plan out pretty much exactly when you need to butcher. And you should have those on the calendar now before everything else starts happening around the year. Mm -hmm. And you go ahead and go purchase your meat chickens and get them ordered to come on the time when it works for you to be able to then butcher that many weeks later, depending on what type yeah. of chickens you're getting. So that just has really helped us to create a framework for our homestead year. Well, and to help the homestead year flow mm -hmm. instead of just going at it and kind of we've got these ideas in our head and we just go at it and we order chickens when it's time to order chickens mm -hmm. and that, you know, all these different things. So that really helps you stagger things out. It then helps you do, you know, tackle bigger projects. Most of us mm -hmm. don't have the ideal property and we are developing a piece of property. Property. And so for me right now in this type of season, we are a lot of our homesteading activities, we're still doing these things, but they become pretty routine. Yeah. So they take less, less effort to, you know, do the garden planning, figure out the butchering, how many chickens are we ordering this year? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of those different things. A lot of those um, take less brain space at this point to me and in my perspective, and they roll along. And it's the projects that we're doing and how do we fit those in to where they are doable. Mm -hmm. And and we're not setting ourselves up to fail and yet we're still trying to move ahead on our goals we're also not inadvertently forgetting something to the right. last minute we've had years where it started to get cold and we've gone oh no we have not gotten firewood done you know that's yeah. not good <laughs> yeah. that does not help anybody's stress level it doesn't help to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to homesteading and so if you sit down and you're looking at those dates right now the very beginning of the year and say hey where is the ideal moment to get firewood on the calendar and get it on the calendar now then you can get all of those pieces in flow i've got one lesson learned from this last year okay garlic we need to start putting garlic on the calendar we literally were like that, that was a you know we're gonna do it we're gonna do it we're gonna do it we didn't put it on the calendar we know generally we want to do it in october uh you know early october mm -hmm. and we didn't get it on that we never we've and we never have scheduled that which is kind of silly now that i'm sitting here thinking about it absolutely we is. need to put garlic on the calendar because 
we got it in barely before the ground froze hard. Uh, like as mm-hmm. in 12 hours before the ground froze yeah, type of barely. Yeah, and what were we doing? We were pushing stuff aside and rushing. It's yeah. like, oh my goodness, we haven't done this. Our last chance is yep. now instead of having it calendared. Yeah. And that was a big stress point right in there. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Point taken. Follow our own advice. We're, we're <laughs> definitely guilty of all of this. And so every year we're learning about more yeah. and more things. And it's helping us, I think, to, to just smooth the year out and to not be in such a last-minute jam. Things are going to happen that are going to cause that last-minute jam yeah. no matter what every single year. Yeah. But we don't need to do it voluntarily by not being planned ahead. <laughs> so we don't have a lot of time left. And we haven't done all our planning yet. So let's do a little quick planning and I'll ask you what are a couple of your big hopefuls so so bigger projects we know we're doing gardens we're not doing any major changes to the gardens right. the terraces are going to grow a little bit so most a lot of these basic activities are pretty yeah. status quo minor adjustments so but we are especially these first several years of tackling tackling larger projects on the homestead in the house mm-hmm. what are a couple that are high priority for you that you're hoping to see happen this year This year, for me, one of the things that's my goal is to keep working on extending the harvest of things like fresh greens into the off-season. So that might mean bringing in more cold frames or making more cold frames Mm -hmm. um, and being a little more thought out about starting seeds indoors, um, even in the middle of summer, to put out for fall plants so that we've got some plants that are up to size and can, can go. So that's kind of a big piece for me. Okay. What's one for you? Wow. What's one for me? Um, whew, I've got several. <laughs> What's the top one? Um, wow. Probably uh, continuing to extend the barn. We mm-hmm. spend a lot of time under roof here with the snow and managing manure and wood shavings. And we've made a huge step this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we quite, and, but our beef herd is growing a little bit and we still have some things. So kind of getting that barn to its final stage. We've been mm-hmm. working on it for several years. I'm hoping to wrap that up this year. Do an yeah. addition on one side and finish some stalls on the interior um, to kind of have that infrastructure in and done. And we can still play with it, but it's there. So that that's one of my top ones this year. Oh, I like that one. You got another one? That'll be good. Uh, continuing work on the root cellar. Oh, you're so getting nice. Getting the root cellar. She, she, didn't, she, she didn't say finishing the root cellar. <laughs> I was for sure you'd, you'd I, put that in. That, that's what she's hoping for. She's hoping the root cellar is done. I am hoping for that. <laughs> and, and uh, well, we're in agreement on that one. We're hoping for that. But it is a large project. It's a large root cellar. And we're trying to do it with the materials we have, which then you know, we bought stones, mm-hmm. big stones, the least expensive we could get to do the walls. We're going to do the roof with trees, which means I've got to cut them down, mill them a little bit, get them in place. And that's um, that's a lot to do. But there you go. Yeah. So there, there's, there's a couple of good projects for this year. And that's the way we do it. We just sit down, we record them on paper, and then we look at them and kind of go, what's realistic? What yeah. can we actually do? What What's high priority? Yeah. What moves the whole homestead forward versus just, you know, this is Carolyn's little pet project versus, you know, and some of those make it in there too, right? We like to keep ourselves uh, engaged and enjoying what we're doing. But, um, but we just go through that and we start prioritizing it and then and, start. And you, you take the ones that you calendars. think you can do, mm-hmm. take your wish list, might be big, mm-hmm. whittle it down to what you think you can do and then start to put in order operations and mm-hmm. you go at it. All right. We encourage you guys to do the same. Put in the comments below um, 
what big projects you're working on this year. What are you yeah, doing? What are your things? goals, your hopes and dreams for 2023? Yeah. Share, share with everybody. Yep. So, Guys, it's been great to hang out with you. Yep. Have a wonderful beginning to the year and we will see, see you soon. soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.